Episode 18 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Tag Your It Etsy shop. From Outlander-inspired necklaces and rings to custom designs for birthdays, Mother's Day, wink, wink, Blake, or any occasion, every piece is created by Dawn, one letter at a time, and it's one of a kind. Please take the time to visit Dawn at www.tagyourit.biz, that's B-I-Z. Tell her Mary and Blake sent you, and use the coupon code OutlanderCast, all just one word, OutlanderCast, for 15% off your purchase. As always, tag your mama, tag your pet, tag your it, whatever it is. That was a real cheap shot, you know that? Um, Mother's Day's <laughs> coming up and it's a week after my birthday and I'm about to give birth to your second child. Yeah, I actually need a shot. push present too while you're at it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did we get into this whole push present thing? Um, whatever. <laughs> right. I'm pushing. What? I'm whatever. getting. Whatever. Go see Dawn. <laughs> Dougal will never allow anything to happen to me. Was. He made me a promise. Man loves me to death. Gaelis Duncan, you're under arrest for witchcraft. Under whose orders? Well, looky here, the other sorceress. It's the thieves' hole for the both of you. What on earth have I done? You'll hear all about it at the trial. Welcome to Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everyone and welcome to Outlander Cast. I'm your host Mary Larson. My name's Blake. Where can I get that alarm clock? Um, once again, I am 9 months pregnant. Good luck. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah, that that genie. Good morning. Woof. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning to you, Claire. You are one lucky lady. Wow, that was unbelievable. I I did not anticipate that opening. It's because you didn't read the books. No, I did not. Apparently, I mean, you, you have been informing me a little bit as the nature of these books. And it, it seems to me that they are extremely sexual. It almost, in fact, like they're putting in the show what they can put in the show. But the book was much more. Yes, and I'm glad that they put this in because, you know, they could just put it right in the beginning. They were like, we need to really let everyone know that Claire and Jamie have incredible sex, like incredible out of this world. They really connect physically. They're doing it all the time in the books. But if you think about especially an episode like this where there were a lot of meat and potatoes and it was already, you know, fast paced, they wouldn't just be able to throw sex in in like the middle. They could just be like, oh, Jamie, you just got reprimanded. Here, go have sex again. Like, uh, <laughs> Go look hot and have sex with Claire. Yeah, with your wounded abdomen. They put it right up front in the beginning so they could say, just so you know, this is what's going on in between the sheets. Unbelievable. Like, I knew something was going on. I knew something, like she was having some fun. But like it lingered. It stayed there. You know, until, of course, Murtaugh knocks on the door and wow. You're like, <laughs> woof, man. Well, speaking of sex, I just wanted to say that 
you were right about speed. Wait, wait, wait. Stop for a second. Say that again? <sighs> Listeners, this is this is... You're going to hear me say this, and it's going to be one of the few times I'm going to admit this. Mary was right about speed. What was I right about? Well, here it is. hope not, because, you know, relationships that start under intense circumstances, they never last. Yeah? Yeah, I've done extensive studying on this. <laughs> yeah, that that just happened. If listeners didn't get to hear last week, can you let them know what that was about? Yeah, we were arguing about speed uh, and the fact that Sandra the Bullock... Movie, the, the movie, the movie speed. Yeah, yeah not, not the drug or anything like that. We were arguing about the fact that relationships cannot exist solely uh, based in uh, strange and hard times and that they could also... Be, but they could be based on sex primarily. And Mary contended that it had that at the end of speed. And I said I didn't remember. And of course... There's the clip. Because I'm always right. You just heard Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in 1994's one of the greatest action films of all time, Speed. I'm so proud of myself. Okay, now that I'm like really happy, my shoulders are up, I'm right, <laughs> let's get to this week's ratings. Blake, what did you think? How many kilts did this episode get? I'm going to give this episode... Mm, I'm going to give this episode three... No, I'm going to give this episode four kilts. Four out of five. I'm giving it four kilts out okay, of five. Okay, why? I'm giving it four kilts because it it feels like the um, the two towers of Outlander. You know what I mean? It, it, in, instead of it being the Lord of the Rings, it seems like this is the jumping off point for the rest of the season. Th- this right here is where everything comes to its crescendo. Like, okay, this is the fulcrum and now everything is going downhill from here. And I like that idea. What I didn't like about it was that there was just so much. There was so much that they were trying to tackle again. And again, maybe it's an affectation of the book. There's just so much happening in the book that you have to tackle this much information at the beginning of the, at the, at the, in this episode. But it felt like they were throwing things at the wall. And they're just saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna deal with this. We're gonna hit that. We're gonna hit Sandringham. We're gonna hit the the trial. We're gonna hit the baby, the the changeling, and then Jamie and sex. And it it just didn't cohese well enough for me. Uh, so there were some of the things that I liked and some of the things that I didn't like. Because of that, it to me felt like it was good television, not great, but not three kilts either. Like the like the uh, the mid season premiere. As a matter of fact, I feel like this would have been a better premiere than the other the, uh, the the this past episode i almost would want to had have dealt with this instead of what happened in the mid-season premiere first interesting you know what i mean yeah because it, it felt like it captured everything that outlander is it captured magic it captured sex it captured action it, it captured all of it i feel like that dealt with all of those themes a lot easier than the mid-season premiere how, would, how about you kid what do you got a lot of people online had the same reaction to you about how things just moved from one thing to another. It was like Outlander ADD. I think I actually have adult ADD, so I would give this episode 4.9 kilts. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. All I'm, right, let's I'm going calm down there. here. Let's calm down. I don't even know what I would want. You know what I? You know what didn't make it five? There was no Tobias. There was no Tobias aside from like that little, 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 little flashback and it was nothing new. Mm -hmm. If I had some Tobias thrown in there too, just to, just to add another (laughs) thing to it, 
I would have given this five. Um, I am a fast paced person. I like Instagram videos of 15 seconds or less. I like to have content given to me in short batches. I don't remember things very well. Um, so being a book reader, I already had this vast knowledge because Outlander is a thick book. Okay. So I already had all this and it was nice for me to see things on screen, but I didn't, I didn't need its depth that people like you, especially show watchers, mm-hmm. would have really liked. This episode probably could have been drawn out to two episodes. So oh, they could easily. have given background, they could have flushed things out, made them feel a bit more cohesive. But for me, it was like a Cliff Notes version of a bunch of things that I was really excited about, plus a ton of stuff that wasn't in the book. And I got to see Gala's dancing. I, I've said it many times. I want to be a Druid dancer for Halloween <laughs> and just play like a Bluetooth speaker of that song. So I got to relive that all over again. I loved the magic. I loved the fighting. I loved that we finally got to see some scenes of Jamie fighting and being stitched up that we've been seeing in the opening all this time. Mm-hmm. I love when you get that when you're like, that's where that's from. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so 4.9. I'm going there. Well, I enjoyed the fast pace and I might be one of the few but sex drugs rock and roll man that's what this episode was it was sex lots of weird medicine slash (laughs) um, poison I mean for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. and people were drinking and fighting and doing crazy things so I had a lot of fun well again yeah like all all those things to me are outlander I mean uh, among other things with the love and the care and the concern of Jimmy and Claire's relationship mixed in with Claire and Frank's relationship and and the reason why I like this episode and I'm giving it a four is because it succeeded where Outlander succeeds in relationships, whether it's Claire's relationship with uh, Jamie or Jamie's relationship with Colm or Galus's relationship with Dougal. Hello, what the hell was that about? But it, 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 it or even Jamie's relationship with the Duke of Sandringham, like where'd that come from? But it all highlighted where its strengths came from and i like that but like you know what let's i want to get into this a little bit you're giving this a 4.9 kilt rating yes that okay five five kilts is among the best hours of television you have ever seen in your life yes um hello did you see what jamie was doing okay you are putting this up there with the lost finale you are putting this up there with uh, Breaking Bad. I enjoyed Bad. this episode a great deal. I enjoyed Leary getting all nasty, seeing that cat fight. I enjoyed seeing the McKenzie brothers fight it out. I loved seeing Galus just oh, be man. wicked. I got to see some of my favorite characters being in their most true forms. I agree, but this four point nine kills. It's 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 not Ozymandias. It's not the Lost finale. Not for you, but I'm telling you. I had a blast. Okay, all right. Well, I will accept that and I will move on. But I am in Granted, full... I'm on, what, antibiotics and Tylenol half yeah. the time because I'm still getting over this sinus infection. I had a blast. Yeah. I thought it was fun. I'm in full protest of the 4.9 kilts. Well, that's why you get to have your rating and <laughs> I get to have mine. Listeners, join me in protest, please. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So we're going to talk about this week's episode. But before we get into recapping, you wanted to talk about the title. Yes, I did. I I was looking at the title when I when I when we were watching it and it felt familiar to me uh by the pricking of my thumbs. I couldn't remember what it was from. Wow, you must have failed English. No, I won't. get out of here, will you? And then <laughs> and then I knew where it was from and of course as you just rela- related to 
everybody else, it is from Macbeth. You know, that guy Shakespeare, he's kind of important. That whole thing, you know, during actually King James I reigns, uh, Jacobus himself. Uh, and by the pricking of my thumbs is a line from Macbeth, and it's actually spoken by the witches when they were saying uh, it was after they had brewed their final potion and they had realized that Macbeth was on his way to come to their house and they knew that something bad was going to go down. And it, it, it actually showed how they knew what was going to happen. They prophesized it. And when you start looking at this in terms of what the show was telling you uh, in, in the title, it's about witches. It's about there's stuff that's going to happen and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be Macbeth ugly. <laughs> like there's ugly and then there's like Macbeth ugly <laughs> when you when you just kill people and you're trying to wash your hands and you of the blood and you can't and you just go insane that's Macbeth ugly all right kid what do you say we get into the recap yeah let's do it all right Knock, knock. Who's there? Murtaugh. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't get... He just doesn't get it, man. He should put like a sock on the door or something, right? Yes. I don't. I wonder what the Highlander equivalent of a sock on the door would be. But Murtaugh just couldn't wait to apparently, let... Apparently they didn't hang out in college no. together. You know, they didn't have that they system They didn't have bro down. code. <laughs> yeah, at wow. all. Wow. And, you know, Murtaugh eventually comes in after Jamie gives Claire a very good morning. And Murtaugh is there to say, hey, guess what? The Duke of Sandringham has arrived. He's here. He's he's already here. That was really quick. I think he teleported. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe he was just really down the road. But because um, this all takes place like one day after last week. This is really. Yeah, this is this is a pretty quick quick thing so the duke was really nearby they were able to get him great and jamie is pumped mm -hmm. he thinks great now i'm gonna be able to clear my name and this is when claire says um i really wouldn't trust him because i'm not gonna tell you how i know this but the duke of sandringham is kind of good friends with black jack randall mm -hmm. and jamie is like okay Whatever you're saying, Claire. Oh, yeah, I promised I would never <laughs> question you. Which, great. Thank you, Jamie. Except, what? Like, you got off that easy? And that's why I like that Murtaugh stepped in. He was like, I didn't make that promise with yeah. you. How Whoa, the big heck, fella. How the heck do you, some random broad that we found in the woods, <laughs> know that the Duke of Sandringham and Blackjack Randall, who was trying to rape you and cut off your nipple a couple days ago, uh, how do you know they're friends? That's right, guys. Mary just called Claire a random bra. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Murtaugh would have thought. Yeah, it's true. The way that he looked at her. Yeah. At he, that moment, he was like, really? Really? He you, gave him wicked side. He gave her wicked side eyes. He's like, you're married into my family now. You don't get to be like, oh, I'm going to keep secrets, especially <laughs> secrets about possibly clearing your husband's name. Uh, anyway. Before we go forward, I do want to say this. I've had time to think about Jamie and Claire and all of this relationship stuff. And I know last episode that I said that I was, you know, on the Jamie train um, and but I'm on the Jamie train for a different reason now. And I, I'm saying that because I feel bad for Jamie. I feel bad for him in a lot of ways. 
because everybody around him is using him. They're, Claire is using him for protection. Colm is using him to be the next uh, Laird. Dougal is using him to, to get all the money for the Jacobites. Everybody around this guy is just using him. No one has his back. And even Claire, when... <laughs> When things go awry, when he says, hey, look, stay where you are. And she says, no, I'm not doing that. I I'm taking off. And then she doesn't apologize or nothing. She just gets into this whole I am woman, hear me roar thing, which is fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But at the time, Claire, you have to know that there's a huge difference from where you were in the 40s to the 1740s where you are now. I don't think Claire has gotten that yet, but I think she's going to learn that a lot in the next episode. Well, I'm, cer I'm certain that, that she's going to. But I feel so bad for Jamie because everybody is just kind of getting on him. And, and more to that point, Claire is much smarter than Jamie in, in terms of the fact that she is just from the future. She knows more stuff. And she just works circles around him all the time. It's almost like she's got. It's almost like she's got him whipped. She's got him totally whipped. He is like. I, I feel like he is way more into her than she is him. I'm just gonna let you settle and simmer with that. I just. I feel bad for Jamie now, and I'm starting. I'm starting to like him a lot. I'm glad. Not because oh, it's Jamie. He's just so dreamy. And no, I feel I can relate to him as a man now because he's in such a precarious position. Having to deal with a person who's much smarter than him, and everybody's just taking advantage of him left and right. I, As Annie uh, said, it's a hard knock life. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what Jamie's but life. is. That's why the guy says, "Okay, no problem. I'll just let you get away with saying that." Um, um you can't tell me. Really? If you had said something like that to me out of the blue, I'd be like, "Um, no, excuse me. You are going to tell me how you know that Blackjack Rendell is in cahoots with this guy." I'm sorry. I just I just had to go off on this because. Well, I especially loved it because she pulled that right after he had pleasured her. Yeah. And often, often people say, like, if you want to ask someone something, you know, you want to do it after you've been doing it yeah. because they'll be easygoing. They'll be in a good mood. You think if Claire was ever going to give up a little bit of information, but she can't. Mm -hmm. How can she say, I know this because I'm a time traveler? Well, I'm going to say... I'm going to refrain from saying anything about this because okay. this is part of my outlandish theory. That she, we... So, I mean, that's why she can't. She just she just can't. I mean, maybe she could have made up a lie and been like, oh, while I was bent over Blackjack Randall's desk, I saw a note that said, hey, buddy, I love you. You're my best friend. Well, she could have lied. And I don't understand why she didn't. Um, I don't know. Maybe because she doesn't want to lie to Jamie. She's not lying to Jamie. She's just saying, I can't tell you. Yeah, but you're opening yourself up to more criticism by saying what she said. I don't know. And I, I know it, it's it's armchair quarterback a little bit, but you, you kind of have to realize that if you, in this time and age, if you say something like that, people are going to call you out. It's well, that's not, what it, Murtaugh did. It, it, there's, there's no women's rights. I mean, these people will kill you with without any question. Like, like that. Like, that's going to be the end of it. Oof. So, I, I, she's... To me, she's got to be a little bit smarter than what she's doing. Someone who's smart is Ned, and Ned's talking with Jamie about drawing up this petition of complaint against Randall and how they can write all this stuff, and maybe if they bring it to the Duke of Sandringham and say, look, this is all the bad stuff that Blackjack Randall's doing. We know that you can help us out here. That maybe something will happen. So uh, Ned thinks that Jamie can possibly win a pardon thanks to 
the Duke of Sandringham. So, and, and partially, be, and partially because if they do this complaint, they could bring it to the British courts, and maybe it will result in a court martial, or even maybe this guy being reassigned far away from Scotland, which I I don't think would happen. But at least there's the possibility. Mm-hmm. So while they're having man time, Claire goes down to the kitchen, and. Uh, Sees Mrs. Fitz and is like, hey, how's it going? Can everyone leave? <laughs> right away. <laughs> right now. I wanted I, the Rocky theme to, <laughs> to start playing right now. Because I got some business to deal with, to attend to. And which is funny because like, I know if I have to talk to someone, I pull them aside. I say, can I speak with you? Like I take them into the hallway. But no, she just, Claire goes in, super serious, and has this talk with Leary. I loved this talk. This was great. She could. She, Claire confronts her and says, "Hi, I know you gave me this ill wish," and then Leary denies it, but then kind of comes around and insults Claire. Basically, says, "Your husband's supposed to be with me. You tricked him, and the only way he sleeps with you is if he gets super drunk." Oh. And that pushed Claire over the edge because, you know, Claire shouldn't have slapped her. In my opinion, I she shouldn't have gone there. If it were me, I would have been like. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, really? Well, guess what just happened 10 minutes ago on his own accord? (laughs) He was between my thighs, having a grand old time, blowing off Murtaugh. And he wasn't drunk. Boom. Mic drop. Mic drop. I'm going to let this ride. Let it ride. (laughs) Plowed my field without being swine drunk, Leary. See, she could have done so much more with words. Words have a lot more impact. But poor Leary, you know, she's she's just a teenager. She's mm-hmm. 16. Claire is much older. Claire's like double the age, pretty much. And Claire hits her like a little kid. Oh, my God. And just smacks her. And then and then right after she goes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Like Really, Claire? Really? Yeah, you shouldn't have. Of course you shouldn't have. Then why did you do it? I wonder if she actually slapped her because Leary's face looked purple pink. Oh, it's it looked like she smacked her. Otherwise, that was fantastic makeup work. Fantastic. And, and I don't see why they would have just painted her face purple pink for, you know, a second. Yep. I mean, the purple pink goes away in what, a minute. I don't know. I've never really been slapped like that. <laughs> Maybe maybe it was makeup. Do I, do I have to play the Rocky music again? No, no. But this is where Leary says, yes, I did give you the ill wish. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hey, guess what? I got it from your best friend, Galus Duncan. <gasps> oh, those are fighting words, okay? Claire, Leary, haters right now. They wow. hate on each other. Oh, my God. And I was just waiting for this moment for Claire to get the smackdown on on Leary. I really wanted leg hair to just fall apart. But she stood up for herself. And she's like, not only does he have to get drunk before he plows your field, your best friend just gave this stuff to me. What do you think now? Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. You know, for a 16-year-old, Leary is really ballsy. I, I mean, after what she did last week with Jamie, mm-hmm. confronting him, being very, very promiscuous with him, Going out and buying an ill wish, and now speaking this way to Jamie's wife, mm-hmm. an established woman now in the community who is the healer, she's much older than her, this is how you're going to act? And this is why she, I think she gets in trouble all the time. You know, she's known for her loose behavior. She's not smart. She's not She's not um, smart in regards to the long-term effects. Well, I was just going to say she is pretty smart because 
she ended up she ended up giving Claire the business a little bit here. She did. At she the end. did. So after this, Claire decides, you know what? I need to go talk to Gayless because I'm sick of this ill wish stuff. Which is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, go talk to this person and figure out what the heck is happening. And why not go speak to Gayless, right? I mean, wouldn't you do the same exact thing? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I, I almost half expected Gayless to be like, yeah, I gave it to her and yeah, I knew it was for you. I'm sorry. But you know what? She did the exact opposite. She claimed that she didn't know. Now, do you think that she did not know it was for Claire? Um. Yeah, I believe her. Why do you believe her? Because I think Gayless thinks Claire is her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but before this happens, we just need to briefly talk about Mr. Fartapants. Oh, my God, okay, this guy When she again. goes looking for Gayless, she goes and she sees Gayless' husband, who just farts and poops himself all like all the time. Maybe, you know what, maybe he has a gluten allergy. <laughs> I don't know. Or lactose intolerance. I don't think they have ice cream over there. What do you think's wrong with him? You know what I think he has? What? Dysentery. <laughs> We're going to go all Oregon Trail on this. Um, What do you... Th- I'm going to throw you a little loop. What do you really think is going on with this poor man? I don't know. I really don't know. I think he's just got... You know what? I think Galus is probably poisoning him slowly. Left, slowly. Because remember how he was like, where's my wife? I need more tonic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now that we know what Galus does, Galus is probably trying to make him poop himself to death. And in which, in dysentery, you know, like, yep. you know, why not? Go Oregon Trail. So I'm- while he's getting his chamber pot, the housemaid lets Claire know that, oh, just, you know, Galus is going to be in the woods right before dawn because it's a full moon. And Claire goes... In her beautiful winter furry coat, beautiful jacket. If anybody on Etsy has that, please let us know and I will buy it for Mary for Mother's Day or the push gift. (laughs) Um, Except it's May. Yes. Whatever. It's it's still good. Uh, This was one of my favorite scenes. Oh my God. This is... I I could not agree with you anymore. Now, I already loved the Druid scene as it was. The the Druid's dance in, in, in the season 1A. But when you start adding Galus's dance and cutting it with the Druid's dance, really cool stuff. It almost lingered a little too much, but I was okay with that. I was I was okay to allow that. And more importantly, not only was the Druid's dance cool in season 1A, but in this sense with Galus, it seemed a lot more sexual. Yes. It seemed a lot more in tune with who she was. It was almost as if the season 1A dance is a garbled facsimile of what Galus was doing. Which would make sense because it's a passed down tradition. Sure, but if you if you go back to my former outlandish theory of the week that Galus is a traveler, is it a passed down tradition? Or well, it, is it something that she just did? You know, is it this, this giant loop? I'm, I, I'm really maintaining that she is a traveler herself. Well, no matter what, I just loved watching her dance around. It was these fires. She was playing in the mud, you know, taking her shirt off, rubbing her belly. It was great. And the hair is flipping everywhere. And I, I was like, I can just watch this on repeat all day. And then Gayla says, "You can come out now, Claire." <laughs> How long did she know Claire was there for? Probably the whole time. Oh, I guarantee. And, and she, she was... continued to put on her show because she didn't care. She's honey badger. <laughs> I, I, there are a lot of honey badgers in this show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> honey badger, no, give a bleep. 
Um, so while Galus is talking to Claire, you know, she's just pretty much done a witch-like ritual. Mm-hmm. And it- she said that she just she just did a summoning to ask for freedom. And she reveals her secret that she's not only pregnant, but she's pregnant with her lover's baby, meaning Dougal Mackenzie's baby. Wow. Where did this come from? And you see, now this is some of the thing. this is one of the things that I didn't like because they were throwing stuff at you. They were just throwing and throwing. And I have Dougal's kid, and Dougal has a wife that we didn't even know about. No, he's not even been wearing a ring. Yeah. It, like, where is all this information coming from? And, and, and that's what kept taking me out of the episode. It expected that you knew all this stuff, but it never, as a show, now I don't know what it's like in the book, but it never at, in the show presented anything there was never a look between Dougal this was and all Galus. new in the book too this oh. was this was quick in your face um not necessarily like lover lover kind of way mm-hmm. um they yeah they didn't make a big deal with the l word uh between them that much but you know she said i'm having Dougal's baby i'm pretty cool with it and i i want to be free from from marriage it'd be one thing if it was just like a tryst you know, it was just like a one night stand where she happened to get pregnant and, and hey, it happens. Like, I could accept that. I could accept the fact that maybe, hey, it would have happened. But for this to be portrayed as it was portrayed, meaning that this is a, almost a long standing relationship, star crossed lovers. Well, both of them are pretty selfish. Think about all the times Dougal has hit on Claire. You know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that Claire's married. Which makes me think even more, if Dougal really loves Galus the way that he's saying that he does. You know, if, if he, mm-hmm. and, 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 and let's get to this point too, he freaks the hell out when his wife dies. Which I, I get, because if you're married to somebody, you have a special relationship with them, and you're going to be upset. I get that. But how much did he really love his wife, if he's proclaiming his everlasting love and unbelievable desire for Galus, you know, in two seconds later after he's killing, he's fighting everybody and saying how upset he is, getting drunk and then getting passed out by Claire, he's looking at Galus and smiling this little evil smirk when her husband dies. Yeah, it was hard for me to judge that as well. I didn't know, does he feel bad? Does he know that Galus did the summoning? Does he think, oh my goodness, Galus' voodoo and my wishes have killed my wife? You know that they, they, they would have to have a conversation about this stuff. like, Or at least he could infer that she did something because he knows who she is. Or was it an act? Oh, was Dougal's thing an act? Yeah. It's hard for me to say, and I and I say that because again, when you're married to somebody, regardless of what your relationship is like with them, you still have feelings for that person, unless it's just really awful and you can't help it. Like if it's like Downton Abbey bad, where uh, Mr. Gregson is is spoiler alert is waiting for his wife to just die to marry Edith, oh. um, unless it's that bad, which it might have been. It, it may have been. Uh, then you're you're gonna have some bad feel you're going to have some ill feelings about that but you 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 noticed when Galus reacted about her husband's death it it was looking at Dougal like smiling like that not even smiling but like that look of hope like oh my god 
we can be together. This is this is it. And her eyes widened and her mouth opened and she just looked at him with this hopeful look. And as soon as he gave that little smirk, it was this scream of bloody murder, just curdling scream. And it was all an act. Yeah. And it makes you wonder if Dougal did the same exact thing because it was it was the same reaction. Yep. Just get drunk and start hitting people with your sword. They're a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Look <laughs> at these two. And, oh my gosh. Uh, it's it just it's it's it screams of um people being disingenuous with everybody else and almost maybe with each other because I do wonder how much he loves Galus if he's hitting on Claire. I wouldn't right. trust either of them as far as I could throw them and I can't throw. <laughs> you can't throw at all. No. You can't catch, you can't throw. My wife is while I love her very much, she is just not a very athletic person. Nope. Nope. I am many things. She's beautiful, she's athletic, I'm smart, much. she's funny, she's got all of it except <laughs> Depth perception. Yeah. <laughs> That's really true. Anyway, um, while Galus and Claire are still in the woods, they hear a baby cry. Now, this would have come off very random, in my opinion, to non-book readers, but I think it was still a beautiful scene. I wanted to know your reactions about this, about the changeling and Galus telling Claire, don't go get that baby. Um, that baby basically... People think that like the little fairies took their healthy baby and gave them this bad baby, this fairy baby, and the parents left the fairy baby in its place, hoping that they'll get their baby back. Oh, well, let me say this. I noticed a lot in this episode, there was a lot of death, a lot of replacement. Uh, you have Dougal's wife dying. You have Galus's wife dying. You have... Uh, the, the baby dying all in the hope of a, of a replacement that is something better, a better match for you. Ooh. And again, it's it's all disingenuous to me. It doesn't seem right. It seems like it, it's just they're grasping at straws. Now, is it part of, is it part of the culture? Uh, sure. Why not? I'll, I'm willing to accept that. And like Jamie says, listen, these people, they haven't walked a day away from where they were born. They believe the stuff that they believe. Do I happen to agree with it? Hell no. But they do. And it, it, it actually reminds me, too, of this whole issue with the strapping scene, the beating scene, right? As a modern American male, I am taught to not hit a woman. But back in the day, they, they, there's no women's rights, like I said. It, 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 men are bigger and stronger, and they will kill women without an issue. So I, I have to accept that. I still don't agree with how it was portrayed with the music and everything. But I have to accept that. But even still, seeing that cold, dead, blue little baby Ugh. sitting in that tree, I just, you know, maybe I'm thinking of Reese, uh, our son, or maybe I'm thinking of our uh, soon-to-be-born daughter. But I, I just, I started tearing up a little bit because it was too much. Seeing this little bait, like, oh my God. I remember w our son Reese was extremely colicky. Like, like you couldn't, we couldn't even sleep. For months. Like, we would have definitely thought the fairies stole our kid. Oh my God. He was a not a good baby. <laughs> and and it, we, we, I was getting maybe an hour of sleep a night for months. I mean, from from three months 
till I think but about nine months. It was it was one two hours a night because he was just crying so much, and I actually remember thinking, because when, when you I'm sure m- most of you are parents, when when you don't sleep, you lose your mind. You don't think straight, and they use they use sleep deprivation as a torture in the CIA for a reason. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my god, I could just put my kid outside and I could forget about him and he would go away. Like that would be the end of it. And I could sleep finally. Now, of course, let me say this clearly. I love my son. I would never, ever do that. I never even came close to doing that. But when you're not thinking straight, you just, you think weird things. You can see how people can do it. You can see how with crazy sleep deprivation people go crazy or yep. this is what they do i i was so bad off with reese's colic and his ill temper that the doctors told me i had a form of ptsd mm-hmm. and they said this is i ended up actually having severe postpartum depression and they told me they like you haven't slept in seven months you've heard screaming in your ears for seven straight months this is what they do in afghanistan mm-hmm when they torture people, they don't let them sleep and they make them listen to annoying stuff. And eventually people are broken down to nothing where they say things, where they act ways they shouldn't, where they just cry. They become these heaping messes. And it's because they were driven crazy by these things that kind of relate to what happens when you have a tough baby. And it makes me sad because you're right. Back then, they wouldn't have known why their neighbor's baby was fine and if they were doing the same exact thing, mm-hmm. why their baby wasn't. So we we both definitely had a hard time with this. I was trying to explain to Blake, you know, reasons maybe like colic or, you know, maybe their baby was sick. But I said, I bet you a lot of babies with colic were treated this way because the parents were like, what the heck is wrong with my kid? Yeah. And so it definitely affected Blake and I a lot. And again, you would never, again, we as parents would never act on the things that we do. And I, and of course, we don't ever agree with somebody who does anything badly to their child, but you can at least see where they are and how they get there. You can understand how they get there. And in this time, as Jamie said, this is what they're told. They're told by their neighbors, by their friends, by their moms, anybody, your baby probably was stolen by the fairies. You have a fairy baby. That is not your baby anymore. Yeah, I, I was a little, because they didn't, really explained this in the show like they didn't explain what a fairy was or a changeling so i mean for just the show watchers alone again i know you probably already explained it but just explain it again to me because it's still a little uneasy and unclear to me if you have this randomly sickly baby Mm -hmm. and in my opinion when i was reading it too i was thinking about colic you know without much of an explanation um whereas you might have had a normal precious baby beforehand or maybe you've been doing everything right just like you had with your other kids or you're doing the same things your neighbors are doing and you can't explain why your baby's acting this way Mm -hmm. why your baby's so sick why your baby's acting out all the time you might think it's because it's not my baby the fairies came and switched my baby they took my good baby Mm -hmm. they took that precious one month old who was sleeping and was so sweet and they switched it with one that looks just like it but isn't It's bad. It's a changeling. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the woods and give them their changeling back, and hopefully they'll give me back their baby. 
and maybe it worked once. Maybe the parents went back in the cold air, fixed a baby's cough, or maybe the baby lasted through the night. Highly doubtful, but that's what they're hoping for, is the fairies would go back and switch the changeling for their child. But generally they go back and they see a dead baby. Mm-hmm. And their grief is a lot easier because they're able to look at that and say, that, that was the my changeling. Baby, yeah. My baby didn't die. My baby is living with the fairies and is still a healthy, lovely baby. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy. But, I mean, if that's what you're taught to believe, man, and that's what you're taught to believe, you, you, you can't help it. But just seeing Claire clutch this little baby oh. and knowing that it wasn't a changeling, knowing that it was just a baby... A, a helpless little life form that isn't even capable of thinking. It just reacts. And it, it, it's almost like those babies that are in a car and they overheat because yes. someone left them in the car. Yes. It, I mean, oh my God. I, I can't even, I can't even, uh, I, you know what? I, I'm almost feeling so bad about this. I, I can't even talk about it. Yeah. We can, we can change. All right. Yeah. Um. So it, it was kind of out of context, but a beautiful scene because it was shot so eerily magical with the mist. And, yeah. and of course, Jamie came. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays a part in next week because it might. It plays a part in the books. Really? Yes. Okay. See, don't tell me those things. No, You're I'm just so... interested. I'm just interested. Well, you know, it, they did linger on it. So it makes it feel like it was more than just effect. Yes. Yes. There's some foreshadowing going on here. And I'm saying this to you because you're saying one of your chief complaints about this episode was that it was just so random. Okay. And so if you're thinking magical kind of stuff, they're thinking that these women might be witches. It just goes into play with the fact that these people believe a lot of magical things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll just take, take that much for, uh, (laughs) for what's going on. Um, so after this scene, uh, she goes to the Duke's, the Duke's rented house or wherever he's kind of hanging out nearby. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. We're forgetting one major oh, thing. She has to sign the petition. She has to sign the petition and she's hesitant to sign that petition. Now, I know why I feel like that. I feel like that she's hesitant to do it. Do you or can you say why she's hesitant to do it? Um, Personally, if I had to sign it, I would have been really nervous. This is the first time she signed her new last name. (laughs) And so I would have been really nervous that I would be like, Claire Elizabeth Randall. Crap. Oops. Just like, I think I'm finally writing 2015. Yes, finally. I'm doing the same exact thing. I mean, think about it. You write all the time. You write your last name. I mean, she was married to Frank for a very long time. She was writing her name. So she actually had to stop and say, oh, I have to make sure I don't write down Randall because that would be bad. Um, that That is definitely part of the hesitancy. I was going to say something tells me that she didn't want to write down her name because she knows that Frank has been researching the Duke of Sandringham, Blackjack Randall, all this stuff. He, she knows that he's got documents who knows if all of a sudden he finds this petition against Black Jack Randall and who would it be he there? He did see that something like that. Like a giant John freaking Hancock, but instead it's Claire Elizabeth Fraser in her handwriting. 
really like if, yeah. if he were to discover that there there would be some questions here there would be some issues and i wonder if he's going to discover that document interesting i wonder <laughs> don't give me the don't give me your mom's response don't <laughs> give me the interesting okay I, I I got a feeling that he is going to discover this document. Well, I'll let you have that feeling. Well, and thank you. Claire, of course, goes to talk to the Duke. She says, my husband doesn't know. She must have snuck out somehow. Mm-hmm. Little minx. I don't know how she does that stuff. Again, again, how does she get party to the Duke of Sandringham? This woman just shows up out of nowhere. She, she throws her British accent out there and is like, hello. Uh, no, keep going. Keep doing it. Keep I'm doing gonna it. Cough. I'm going to cough if I do. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm Claire Fraser. And she basically tries to talk to the Duke and says, my husband doesn't know I'm coming here, but he's going to present you with a petition. I want you to really listen to it and take care of this. And the Duke at first doesn't care. He's and like, why should he care? Once again, she's just some random broad. <laughs> okay. Who married some Scottish guy. Again listeners mary was the one who called claire a random broad but uh claire of course has this super duper i know things and she says oh by the way how much jacobite gold did dougal mckenzie pass along to you yeah because she remembered from frank's little history lesson that he was suspected of being a jacobite supporter the Duke is playing both sides of the game right now. And I don't blame him. Yep. He should. He should play both sides because one or the other is going to win. And one or the other, they ain't going to know about each other. So either way, you're in good graces. You're like a double agent. You're you're a double secret probation agent. And you're just doing what you can to live. And it's amazing because eventually he ends up saying, oh, I hate to work. But this guy's doing a lot of work. He's, yeah. he's back in he's back in Randall. He's back in the Jacobites. He's got his hand in every single pot. That's that, that's a lot. It is, but he's also just trying to keep himself safe. You know, mm-hmm. he knows that a lot of stuff's going on. This is enough to make the Duke think twice and toast with Claire, saying, "All right, uh, let's hope that Jamie gets okay." Basically, saying, "Okay, I'll take a look at this petition." Oh, and by the way, the Duke of Sandringham as portrayed by Simon Callow. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, he is like a really big character actor. He, as a matter of fact, was on Rome with uh, with Tobias Menzies, as a matter of fact. Uh, but he was also in The Phantom of the Opera and a whole, all these different other movies. A character actor, you don't really know who he is until you see him, but what a fantastic portrayal. He, he just seems, he, he seemed very light on his feet and the way that he almost portrayed how... He cared for Jamie, but in, in more ways than one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even even though Jamie alluded to the fact the Duke of Sandringham did like him for more than just being Jamie, um, you could believe it that the way it was portrayed. And you could you could really believe that this guy was an English nobleman. And he just hated Scotland, hated, hated being there, and uh, he was above all of it. I really believed his portrayal. I agree. I enjoyed his portrayal and his wigs as well. <laughs> After Claire leaves the Duke, she heads on back to Castle Leoc, and there's more drama going on. Dougal's wife has passed away. Yep. Column's looking for Claire. Uh, he sends out the Mackenzie guys to go get her, and Dougal is a beast when he's drunk. Not a happy man. Oh, my gosh. That man's an angry drunk. 
Yes, fighting off what four or five guys just swinging his sword around and Colm saying, Claire, you need to take care of this. He's almost wine drunk. You know what I mean? You know when you get wine drunk? It, it's This it, is not me when I'm wine drunk. Oh, when that's me when I'm wine drunk. No, you, no. Oh, what am I when I'm wine drunk then? You hiccup and burp and go to sleep. <laughs> no, I get angry. I get angry wine drunk. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. But regardless, <laughs> Dougal is freaking angry, man. And, and again, is he really angry? Or is, is it guilt? Is it sadness? Is it a farce? Is it something that he is just putting up just to make it look like he really cared for his wife? By the way, again, where did this wife come from? part of the story here that you're not getting and they're throwing it at you like you know that it's just common knowledge but it's not common knowledge for the TV viewer and I can't I can't go along with that you have to give me some context I need more than just hey Dougal has a wife and guess what she croaked and maybe if the second half of this season was 16 episodes they could fit it all in because that's the other thing like I told you at the end of the first half of the season that things were really going to pick up and they continue to pick up. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so difficult for these writers. They have so much to cram into the second half of the season that they're going to have to skip over some things. Mm -hmm. So Claire, um, she has this magic potion, this magic sedative. I have no idea what it was, but once, (laughs) once Dougal takes a swig of that wine... And, uh, or maybe it was whiskey. I have no idea. He drank a little bit of it and he went down. (laughs) Knocked him on his ass. That was like Tylenol PM to the max. (laughs) And did Claire just have that in her purse? Did she have that in her shirt? Did they stop and pick it up? I don't know. But all of a sudden she like pops out this little bottle. She was like Hermione Granger with her little purse that has everything. You're a wizard, Harry. She was like, oh, you need a sedative. Boom, here it is. And he falls right asleep. Oh, you can't get through a podcast without making a Harry Potter reference. Not at all. So, okay, so now we have one married person down. Galus, of course, still needs to free herself. And that takes place at dinner. There's this beautiful dinner with a peacock. Where did they find a peacock? And how did they get it to be like that? Did they just stuff it? Did they? Yeah, they took it all out. Okay. They, they like took out its innards. They probably mixed it with a bunch of stuff, made it into a meat pie cake that gotcha. made it pretty. Yep. Fluffed it all up, made it look presentable. And then the Duke got to cut into the peacock cake. Mm-hmm. He was pumped. He loved cut... that. Yeah. He's into the peacock. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What do you I, think that I cake had to would go taste there. like? I had to go there. I don't think I would want to eat that. I bet you peacock would taste like duck. Okay. I bet you it'd probably be like that. Or maybe pheasant. They're all in the same family. They're all birds. I don't know. Yeah, I don't eat that many fancy birds. (laughs) So (laughs) Jamie goes up and introduces his wife to the Duke of Sandringham. And they played it well. They played it so well. They were like, oh my God, I don't know who you are. They're so proper. Like English people are just so, mm, oh my God. Jamie, go get me a beverage. So we can chat more. And then Claire lays it down. And uh, the Duke lets Claire know, hey, Miss Sassy Pants, you surprised me before, but just so you know, I'm going to expect a favor from your husband as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Now, he, of course, the favor is him going to be the second person that he's going to be there for the Duke of Sandringham during the duel that has come up about because of the McDonald's not liking the Duke and uh, something that was already alluded to with the 
with Murtaugh and Jamie. You know what I love? What's that? I just love hearing. So I'm both McDonald and McKenzie, and I love hearing how my family heritage like hated each other. How did that even happen? I have no idea. I don't know. I I don't know if it's different. If it was different sides, maybe my parents were the ones that did it. Is it like a Dougal Galis type deal? I I don't know. Because oh I told God. you, my Mackenzie side literally were the lairds of Casalia. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I have to look into it more. But the way my dad explained it to me, I don't think the McDonald's hated the Mackenzies uh, as much as they hated some other clan. I'm trying to remember. But there was some other clan that the McDonald's hated more because they stole all their sheep. And my dad like <laughs> told me that I couldn't be friends with... Uh, Oh, it begins with a C. The Chisholms. He told me that I couldn't be friends with Chisholms because they stole all of the McDonald's sheep way back then <laughs> and that like my Scottish family would hate it. Well, he- hearing the Duke talk about uh, what Jamie had to do for him and saying favors must be returned in kind. If I scrub your back, I expect you to see that mine is equally spotless. Really? That is disgusting. Who has like, a spotty back? But regardless, it, it's it's sexual in nature and scrubbing backs and, <laughs> and and you know that the Duke of Sandringham is into Jamie more than for again just being Jamie. I, I can't get this out of my brain. I, and you know, ugh. well, Claire won't stand for it either, and she just lets the Duke know. You had Listen. to get your pound of flesh, didn't you? <laughs> Pretty much an eye for an eye. If anything happens to my man, you're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. All while this is happening, poor Mr. Duncan, Gaelis' husband, he starts choking, Mm -hmm. actually is dead. He smells like almonds. I love the smell of almonds. Like almond cookies or almond biscotti. How about toasted almond coffee? Yep, I love that smell too. I probably wouldn't like the smell of almonds slash vomit and death. (laughs) But that is the exact sign of cyanide poisoning. Arsenic. Arsenic. Yeah, arsenic. And it makes me wonder, again, how does Galus know about arsenic? I don't even know what arsenic is. Arsenic's a poison. Yeah, but like, what what goes into it? Almonds? <laughs> I don't know. I Keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, this is when, as you were saying, Google, 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 that's, oh my God. You know how people like did J-Lo and Ben Affleck and they called it Benifer? Yeah. So I just made the new one, which is Google, which is Gayless and Dougal. (laughs) I'm so smart. This is why I married you. So Google has a grand moment of like. Hell yeah, we're free. And they had, you know, William Wallace freedom moment in their own heads. Google. And, and Please, Kalis, let's make this last. Oh, I hope to. Um, oh, we'll see how God. it goes. Oh but God. yes, so Galus, of course, turns on her charm, as you said, cries, acts like she's really upset. But now Claire is like, oh, my dear, I cannot hang out with this woman that much. Mm-hmm. She just poisoned her husband. Okay, so apparently arsenic, now that I found it, Arsenic has been around, obviously, it's, it's, it's an element, it is what it is, but it's been used as poison since, I mean, dating back to, like, early China, uh, I guess, and, and, but it really took effect in the 19th century, so as um, it was almost undetectable uh, for anybody in that era to know who was poisoned and who was not. As a matter of fact, arsenic in the 18th century was known to be used to help bleach people's skin ew yeah so it made them look like they were like powdery almost oh gosh so uh, 
Okay, now this is the 18th century, so this is before the 19th century. Yes. This tells me again that, yes, it may have been around, but it didn't really become popular until then, until the 19th century. So is Galus a traveler? Does she know this stuff because she is from the future? We don't know. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it, kid. I'm sticking with it. Okay. Next day, Jamie has to go do this dueling matter with the Duke. Stupid duel. Okay, it was a fake duel. Well, was it a fake duel? Oh, I mean, it was fake, but it was, was there blanks, or did they just shoot lazily? Like, did they shoot like, I'm going to intentionally miss you? Whatever it was, nobody got injured. And it was like a duel just to say that they had a duel. Mm-hmm. Everyone walks off. And then freaking McDonald's, they start running their lips, and Jamie plays into it. <laughs> and, you know, he's a man. And he pretty much is like, your mama's so fat when she saw no rainbow Skittles came out. Your mama's so fat, she's so fat that when her, when she fell and broke her leg, gravy poured out. Yeah. So, Jamie, why are you making your mama jokes? <laughs> Not allowed. Don't, what are you you doing? don't mess with someone's mama. Just shut up. Maybe he didn't know this. Maybe making jokes about someone's mama became popular in, you know, 1990. I have no idea. But Jamie didn't know that he crossed a line. And that's when swords started flinging. We got to see that cool shot from the opening credits, of course, that I was so excited about. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets hurt. Everyone. Fool. <laughs> so Jamie goes back. And, and he gets stabbed. And the, and the Duke of Sandringham's like, hey, bro, um, yeah. I can do duels, but just common brawls, like what you have just done, mm, not so much. Let me take the letter, and it looks like that sucks, but it luckily it's just a scratch. It, it, it almost reminded me of Monty Python, you know, with the Black Knight. Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, You stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. <laughs> right? It's just it's just a scratch. It's just a just a flesh wound. Well, now he's nervous too because now Jamie's going home with a scratch and he had Claire telling the Duke uh if anything happens to my husband an eye for an eye. So I loved how the Duke was like just just make sure your wife knows this wasn't my fault, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. Bye. <laughs> Jamie goes back and Claire is upset. Mhm. She should be too. She should be. But it, but again, the Duke did take the letter. He did take it. So I wonder if he's actually. I mean, he said he's going to live up to his part of the bargain, which which makes sense. I I hope that he does. I hope so too. Well, he's going to be a little busy because uh, Jamie's going to be busy. He's he gets stitched up by his wife, who's mm. mad at him, and another person that's mad at him is Colum. And Colum's like, "Why are you messing with a McDonald's? This is really really bad news." You don't do that unless I tell you to do that. Again, Jamie is running into, the, into this thing where he's doing these actions. Granted, he couldn't help it because this, these guys attacked him. But Jamie and the people surrounding Colum are doing things without Colum's knowledge or consent. And because of that, they are being sent away. Go home. You are banished for a while. Dougal, you cannot have tomfoolery with Galus, and you can't do it on my land, at least. No. Like, if you want to go be with her, go elsewhere. And he sends Jamie to pretty much be Dougal's babysitter, mm-hmm. except he holds Claire, which is the smart move, in my opinion, because it 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 guarantees the fact that Jamie will follow through with whatever Colum needs. You know who doesn't follow through? Who? Is Claire. Because Jamie feels bad. He says, listen, I'll be back soon. Claire does this whole come back to me, James Fraser. Oh, in, oh, 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 real quick. 
the thing that I like about season 1B is that they keep going back to season 1A, right? You have all uh, you have Jamie's uh, point of view when he, the first words out of his mouth were the first words out of Claire's mouth in season 1A. You also have the Druids dance with Galus calling back to the Druids dance in season 1A. And now you have Claire saying, come back to me. And she says the same exact thing to Frank as he's taking off on the train in season one. I loved that scene. I love that scene too and then the way out. It keeps repeating itself. And it makes you wonder if she is in almost like a a time loop. She, She can't help but repeat the events of her life even though she is in 1743. Well, you'd think with all this repetition in her life, she would hear when Jamie repeatedly tells her to stay put. Yeah, stay away from Galus. Stay away from Galus. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Mm-hmm. He's straight up. What does she do right away? Well, she gets a note from supposedly Galus saying, come on over. I'm in trouble. And when she arrives, both women are now cowered off, being accused of witchcraft, and they have to go await trial yeah and all because of your girl leg hair and that little smirk at the end oh, it was beautiful it that... was great it was great i mean i hated her for it i i couldn't stand her little face because of it but what a nice what a nice shot there are very few people in this world that i don't like yep. and um i actually had a run-in with my nemesis i had a long conversation with blake and a couple of my good friends the other day but i had to go to this event and I had to bump into my one nemesis. <laughs> and this guy, he's just he's just rubs me the wrong way and has for over ten years. And I wish I could have given him this look. This this little like like just I hate you. You're yes. gonna, you're you're getting what you deserve. F you. Granted, there was no reason. I just walked by and he was at the bubbler, aka the water fountain. But <laughs> but still, like she was happy with herself. Yes. Yes, and what a beautiful way to end this episode. Oh, all right. Well, again, that was four kilts for me. What was that? Uh, sorry, four point nine kilts for you. It's under f- official protest. It doesn't matter. It's my personal opinion. <laughs> Your personal opinion. If I talk funny, it's because I have a sinus infection. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll let you get away, and because you're pregnant, and that's because why, I love you. That's why I still have a sinus infection. <laughs> I can't take any better. Like Jamie says, I forgive you what, for what you've done and what you're going to do. Oh, thank you. It's fallen in love. What do you say we get into the listener feedback, kiddo? Okie dokie. All right, let's do it. That music makes me just want to dance. <laughs> Keep going. Let okay. it ride. No, okay. All right, let's get into it. There was something that came in on our website forum on outlandercast.com. That's right. Rgraph12 says, hey, Blake and Mary, love your podcast. I'm still listening to uh, some of them, but I had to make a quick comment. I thought BJR states he doesn't understand why any man would pledge, not pleasure himself to a woman. And I always thought that BJR liked both men and women, but that he was a true sadist and could only perform if the person was fighting back. So he couldn't rape Claire in the book, at least, because she laughed at him and quit uh, and quit screaming and fighting back. Just my two cents. 
So I wonder, is that the case? Is he is he into both men and women? And also, I wonder if that is part of his relationship with the Duke of Sandringham, by the way, if that's the case. Although, Scrub, scrubbing each other's backs? Yes, yeah, maybe they're scrubbing each other's backs just a little too much. Although, if he is a true sadist, he probably wouldn't be into the Duke of Sandringham because he doesn't seem like he's into like hurting and, and, and whipping backs. He only likes scrubbing backs, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> That's just my, just my just, hey, it's my personal opinion. I'm just grossed out because, like, I feel like the Duke of Sandringham has, like, those weird brown spots all over his back. I'm just grossed out. I'm all done. Okay. All right, our email from Rachel G. She says, I enjoyed the end scene of The Reckoning very much with the oath and the ring, and I agree with Mary that Jamie, Jamie told Claire he wants her so much. And, by the way, you were right. Uh, some of our listeners emailed in and said that they put on the uh, closed captioning, and it was wants. So I'm just saying that too. Again, you were right. I just want the L word to come out. I, I want love to come out of these two. Again, it was not loves her so much. It was wants her so much. But uh, she thinks it came, she was pretty sure it was a line straight from the book. Yeah, because everything has moved really quickly. I mean, and honestly, Claire still has been trying to get back to Frank. I mean, mm -hmm. she just got out of trying to get back to the stone. So it's hard for her to even fathom saying that word out loud. All right, what do we got on Instagram? Instagram. Okay, we had some awesome comments in regards to that opening scene mm -hmm. with the good morning wake up call. <laughs> OFD 02122 said, I'm not sure if I remember anything other than the opening scene. I think I fainted or died a little. <laughs> Mary T. Klump said, I thought it was carefully done with, with no lingering shot. Also, when the knock on the door and Jamie says no and finishes what he started, oh. he was a good husband. Oh and he did God. what he should before opening the door. Yowza. Yes, all the bees said, holy smokes, way to go, Jamie, for not letting Murtaugh interrupt till the task at hand was complete. <laughs> and Murtaugh's expression when he saw Claire still in a state of purring was pretty great. <laughs> I liked this comment because of the word purring. I don't think I've... I've... That's what Claire you totally what? was doing. She I'm just was purring. Let that one go. Okay. Uh, yes, all the bees. That's that's great, man. I'm I'm glad that you think she was purring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gunslinger1969 says, I loved that leg hair was so deliberate about her intentions last week, especially with uh, with uh, Jamie. And this week, of course, with Claire. She's acting like a spurned woman who is intent on getting back her man. Devious and malicious. Michelle V. 2010 says, The scene that made the most impact to me was the one with the changeling. Mm. Call it hormones or what, but that was so hard to watch. And Dougal's drunken tornado scene superbly acted from devastated to furious in a split second. Krista Thomas says, I thought the Duke was great, perfectly over the top, and he looks like the cowardly lion in his wig. Yes, he does. Thank God, like I said earlier in the live cast, those wigs are out of style. I could not pull that off. My head's too big. You would not be able to pull that off. I agree. I'm too. I'm too goofy. Our our belabble. Sorry if I'm screwing up your name. I loved how the Duke hid behind the tree during the brawl. Just again, he's that kind of guy. He would do that. Such a Pansy. Casey Menja said, "So far, I think this episode has been the most changed from the book." I kept saying, "This didn't happen." But I still loved it. You can't expect the show to follow exactly, and I love how they're doing it. Plus, it keeps me on my toes since I don't know every little thing that's going to happen. Not everybody liked this episode, though. And and, and West of the One said, For the some reason, this episode didn't keep my attention. Bits and pieces were good, but I didn't feel a flow. This person actually felt like I did. As someone who mentioned above, sections without background info are built up enough 
in the episode. And again, as a TV watcher, you have to build these things. You can't just thrust this upon the viewer. You, you, you can't get away with it. LV Quil Quiltor Girl says, I did not think I was approved, but the opening scene was just a bit too much for me. Dibla and 60 agrees that... You know, she didn't really like this episode. She said this one in episode nine actually felt like they were filmed much more than they did like a cut and paste, like you're saying, to make the show fit in the time frame allowed. There was no flow. Claire slapping Leary and following it up with a quick, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that was so flat and so poorly done. I think they forgot to delete it. <laughs> It didn't sound like sarcasm or an apology, just a throwaway line. Also, the first time uh, I felt the sex was gratuitous. We all know that married couples have sex in whatever form it takes. That opening had nothing to do with the storyline. Yeah, they, they did just throw it in there. I enjoyed it, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Momo1948 said that I did not like the naivete of Jamie in obtaining support from Sandringham. In the last episode, he seemed so mature in dealing with Colm and Claire. With Sandringham, he was the opposite, even though Claire advised him to be cautious. By now, I would think he would trust her. Jamie didn't listen to Murtaugh either. To me, he bordered on being foolish. There were some good scenes with Claire and Dougal, Sandringham, too much like the characters in British TV dramas. Good wigs, though. Still love the show and will continue to watch. S-O-N-Z says, Oh my God, Claire! Jamie has been through this with you already. Hashtag stay put. And then Momo actually came back and said, Claire cannot stop trying to save others while putting her loved ones and herself in danger. Get a grip on it, girl. Jesus. Excellent feedback. We also had some fantastic tweets. Yep. Uh, Brittany Skine said, This half of Outlander is now 2-2 two two in waste of episodes. Compared to the first half, these are terrible adaptations and worse writing. Wow, that is scathing words. People were not happy. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I did. I liked it better than the first one. But again, it, there, there's, some, there's some valuable criticism there. I really feel like that. Emmy Unwritten says, Claire just got the best wake-up call on the planet. Got to appreciate a man that likes to give. Wow. That's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> J. Noel 75 said, seriously, though, someone needs to tell Murtaugh that if newlyweds don't answer the by the third knock, that should be your clue. <laughs> and S. Ross Wall said, I don't know who is worse, Galus or Leary. You just want to stab both. I know. Oh. I agree. Oh, my God. I wouldn't want to stab anybody. Well, but... you like going for the jugular. We've already discussed that last yes. episode. Tom and Lorenzo. I loved this tweet. <laughs> That's why it's on here. It says, this show is knit porn. It is knit porn. Oh my gosh. The different things that Claire is wearing every single episode. I'm like, I want that. I want that. I want that. And all I can make is a straight scarf. I'm going to go broke trying to buy you all these things. KLS Widow Windal. <laughs> this is a good one. Had too. a really awkward moment. <laughs> KLS <laughs> tweeted, opening scene and my mother-in-law walks in. Oh. Yikes. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, yeah, when I had to watch the Tudors, um, lovely sex scene in the woods, and I was watching it with your dad. Yeah, that, that was, was great. That was when we first started dating, too. Janny G says, how sad is it that I silenced my phone and ignored a call from my son because Outlander was on? Hashtag <laughs> worst mom award. <laughs> Heather at Sugar9292 says, this girl falls through time 200 years, but can't get on board with changeling fairies or summoning rituals. Really? You know what? That's right. Who was she to turn all this stuff down? She traveled through time. 
She should know better than that. At Angela Sukalis, um, you are definitely Greek, which is cool, but I think that's how you pronounce your name. Does anyone else not like Claire's hair up? She looks 10 times better and much younger with her hair down. And I put that in there because when I noticed the same exact thing. I hate her hair up, but especially in this episode, she looked like Count Dracula in the in the movie. Um, oh my God, no she didn't. Yo, yes she did. And the, the one where uh, Gary Oldman played Dracula, you know, when he was wicked old, the, the white hair and it was all up in a bun. She looked like that guy. She totally did. You I can't disagree. tell me she didn't. I was looking at it and I'm like, I want to do my hair. Up. Oh, I'm not like that. You don't want to look like Gary Oldman. Jill Z.A. says, Gotta be honest, scenes like the opening scene make me uncomfortable because I think all about how weird it is or must be for the actors. I agree. It's You're like in a in a weird position. like in Literally. Yeah. Uh, I saw what you did there. All right, kid, what do you say we get into the voicemails? Thumbs up. Hey, Mary and Blake, it's Teddy Potter in New Jersey, but I'm actually in Manhattan because I'm headed to the Taunton Day Parade, and I will be attending a party afterwards and hopefully get a glimpse of Grandma Tavish. Um, I'm listening to the podcast while I'm driving, um, and I haven't heard the whole thing yet, but a couple of things jumped out at me. Numero uno, the reason that Gowan told everybody not to kill anyone is because then it would be a hanging offense, if I'm not mistaken. So that was part of it. Of course, Jamie's uh, honorable man came in not wanting to um, kill an unarmed man, but there you go. But my husband said the same thing. Kill him! Uh, I want to talk about the New York City premiere, which I was at, and I was hoping to get a glimpse and meet. Like, but that was not happening. Oh, can you make the right turn on red in New York City? Anyway, um, the next thing is the spanking speech. So the fans who are at the the fans who are at the premiere have been mostly, I would say, long time there. And the spanking scene is an infamous scene, which we all know. Um, you love it a little bit because of Jamie's naivety and you love how the outcome is. The fans in New York, me being one of them, were waiting, waiting with bated breath to see how this would be handled. Um, we already knew that it would all end up okay. Um, and I laughed, and I gripped the knee of the lady sitting next to me, my lovely friend Carla Radwani, uh, because they did it so well. And uh, that was my response to it. Um, I'd already gone past the uh, modern sensibility stage ages ago when I read the book. And I'm sure many other people there had the same experience. So that is why I laughed, and that is why I think many hardcore fans laughed. Um, Claire was so fabulous in it. Jamie was so Jamie in it. So that's what I'm going to say to you guys. Um, the last thing I want to say is that I'm not going to hit the bicyclist. And the last thing I want to say is that I thought it was a brilliant stroke of reversing Jamie's vow to Claire and her vow to him to cut his heart out in the way they did and in the setting they did. 
sorry. I have gone long, but I haven't talked to you guys for a while, and I just had to talk about it. Thanks, guys. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Amy from Plant City, Florida. Just wanted to talk about episode 10. Um, I loved the behind-the-scenes stuff with Colin. I guess I never really realized how what what power a Laird has over his subjects or his tenants or however you want to call it. Um, I didn't realize he was so he could deny them getting married. He could do all that. Um, I thought the scene with Dougal was well played. Dougal's grief. Um, that was more what I expected than what was in the book. Um, and thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, Teddy, thank you so much for calling in. And Amy, thank you, too, also. And giving us, at least, uh, for at least Teddy, giving us a better idea of what was happening in the premiere and why people were actually kind of laughing. Um, and while I may not agree with it, uh, I could see, at least see why some people reacted that way. Um, and, and Amy, I, I love seeing the politics and seeing what kind of, you're right, power the Laird has over all of these people. It's like he's his own little president. I think, I think it's really cool. All right, let's get to the next batch. Hello, Mary and Blake. Uh, this is Belinda from Harlem, NYC. Um, I definitely want to say that I'm a really, really big fan of your podcast. And this is my first time calling. Um, I definitely think I want to give last night's episode four and a half kilts. Um, I really enjoyed it a little bit better than last week's episode. I think because Ron Moore and company are just really, really good at putting in both big and small, but different things that were not in the book to really give um, book readers like me just a new experience um, in this whole Outlander journey. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, just kind of not knowing what's going to happen, even though I actually read the books. Um, definitely loved all of Claire's outfits last night, especially her little fur-trimmed um, coat. Um, I definitely have to say I'm one of those people that did not like the character of Claire throughout most of the first book. It's not until now that we're getting into the meaty stuff where... For me, Claire kind of redeems herself a little bit because as we can see, Claire is once again in a pickle because she did not listen to Jamie. So a lot of her not listening, a lot of the arrogance and all of that just kind of made me not like Claire uh, throughout most of book one. But of course, I love her now. Belinda, thank you for calling in. And I agree with you. It's hard for me to like Claire. It's, it's hard because she is playing Jamie a little bit she she's just using him a little bit and when she gets the first chance to run back to Frank even though she's proclaiming this giant love for Jamie she does and I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit because I'm the one who likes Frank I'm the one who wants him to be with Claire but you can't be a character and say oh I want to be with Jamie I want to be with Jamie I love Jamie I love Jamie and then all of a sudden I want to be with Frank again it, it it's hard to it's hard to accept that as a viewer but remember, she's not saying, I love Jamie, I love Jamie, I love Jamie. You know, she still is battling, mm -hmm. so it's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like she's using him. All right, next call. Yeah, this is Nancy McGeehee-Gillery in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I am a huge book fan and love the show. I really appreciate how they've adapted, especially this last episode, and to capture, to give a third dimension, I guess, to all the intrigue and politics that Claire talked about, but you never really fully grasped 
it in the books. So I think they're doing an excellent job. And, oh, gosh, I'm going to be so sad when, when this season is finally over. Um, I'm enjoying it very much. Kudos to Ron Moore for bringing Diana's work to life. Hi, Marian Blake. It's Marie Quiltnet on Twitter. I thought the episode was great. I missed it last night, caught it today. I've already watched it four times. I'll watch it with my husband tonight. Um, everything that I saw in the books when I read them showed up on screen. I thought it was fantastic. The acting is incredible, and I can't wait to hear your guys' take on it. Have a great day. You know, much like last episode, I am totally, totally surprised by the wide variety of feelings people are having towards this season so far. Some people cannot freaking stand it. Some people love it. And a, a, a big theme that I'm hearing is that book readers are really enjoying the adaptation. And I, I think I like that a lot. It, it feels like they're doing the right thing by Diana Gabaldon's work. I agree. I, I'm I'm having fun. I'm learning new things at the same time. I'm seeing things that I didn't get to read while they were in the book because it was all from Claire's perspective. And you've already watched it four times. Way to go. <laughs> all right, kid. What do you say we get into the tweet of the week? Okay. All right, let's do it. Kath C. LeSage says, Too late, Dougal. He swallowed her this morning. Hashtag Rimshot. Hashtag Outlander. Hashtag Emmys for Outlander. Hey-o! Swallowed who? Oh. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Way to pay attention there, kid. Well, congratulations, uh, Kath C. LeSage, for being this week's Tweet of the Week. All right, darling. It's that time for the Outlandish Theory of the Week. This is when I have to put my eyes down so that I don't make eye contact with you. This Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Thistle and Pine, the best source for all of your Celtic gifts and collectibles. So please visit them at www.thistleandpine.com and make sure you check out those baby onesies with the kills that Mary loves. She can't get enough of those bad boys. They're so cute. They are so cute. All right, here's my outlandish theory. In regards to the trial that's coming up, I'm trying to figure out how is Claire going to get out of this. Somehow, some way, she's going to get out. And somehow, some way, she's going to be free. Because otherwise, there'd be no rest of the show. So how is she going to be free? There are only really two people that can get Claire out of this predicament. The first one is Colm, and the second one is Jamie. Right, Because Colm can go there and say, hey, look, I'm the Laird. I don't care what happens. I don't care what Father Bain says. I don't care what any of you this church says. I'm the Laird, and this is going to happen on my watch. These are my lands, and I'm taking this woman out of here because he feels like doing it, number one. Number two, he is the Laird. Number three, he promised Jamie that he would keep a, keep an eye on, on Claire while he was gone doing – while Jamie was gone doing the things that he's got to do for Dougal, right? Okay. But – he has no real love of Claire. The only person that really has love of Claire is Jamie. And I don't know how he would get word of what was happening, but I think Jamie is going to come back and rescue Claire. I think it's going to happen. And somehow, some way, 
he's going to show up in this big gesture of a thing uh, and rescues Claire. And it, it's a little predictable that it, that would happen. But it would make sense that he comes back and rescues her because they have nothing else to lose. They have nothing else to lose except the fact that they would just have to leave Castle Leoc and then go to Lallybrock and then live their lives. And then pray for the fact that because the Duke of Sandrum took that letter that Blackjack Randall would be then deposed and be gone from everything. So that's my outlandish theory of the week. And also, too, I actually think that Claire is going to have to answer in a big way to either Colin or Jamie somehow, some way for number one going off and, 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 and being a part of this deal with Galus, but also for all the crap that she has done with all the herbs. And does Jamie really believe that she is a witch? Does he, does she, does he really finally start to doubt all this stuff? Um, because you know, he is religious. He does believe in this stuff. Um, so I, I wonder if she's going to actually have to fess up to him that she's from the future uh, because she's going to have to have an explanation somehow it's going to happen. So that is my outlandish theory of the week. What do you think, kid? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Are you going to give me the interesting comment again? Very interesting. <laughs> so before we close out this bad boy, I want to remind you that this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Tag Your It Etsy shop. From Outlander-inspired necklaces and rings to custom designs for birthdays, Mother's Day, yes, I got the hint, Mary, I really did, or any occasion, every piece is created by Dawn, one letter at a time, and it is one of a kind. So please, please, please take the time to visit Dawn, the owner, at www.tagyourit.biz, that's B-I-Z, and as always, tell her Mary and Blake sent you. And if you use the coupon code OUTLANDERCAST, all one word, you will get 15% off of your purchase. So, tag your mama, tag your pet, tag your it. Whatever it is. Once again, we want to thank you so incredibly much for tuning in to this week's episode of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. We had a blast chatting with you about good, this episode. Good stuff. Love it. Love coming back every week and doing this. It's, I'm, I'm glad we're getting back into the group of everything. Me too. I love having these conversations and so much of it still gets to happen throughout the week. So you can reach out to us on any kind of social media. So that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I just created a Tumblr account because I like to look at Outlander Tumblr stuff. Some, Did you really? Yeah. I don't really know how to work it yet, <laughs> but you can find us there. Everything on social media is OutlanderCast. And speaking of OutlanderCast, you can also find us at OutlanderCast.com. And you heard it there. We, there was some good talk on our forums and uh, for our episodes. You can get us there as well and check out the things like the Mary and Blake store where we had the Sassanok Wasted t-shirt and all of our episodes and, and interviews with Bear McCreary and Anna Forster and all that good time stuff. And as a matter of fact, with that in mind, our next episode is going to be an extremely special episode. Mary, would you like to explain what's going to happen? 
Um, we have an interview coming up. Yes, we do. With one of the writers of the show. The Matthew B. Roberts, the writer of the premiere. So we are going to get firsthand knowledge of what went down in the premiere, the mid-season premiere, why it happened the way that it did. And Mr. Roberts is going to take a good maybe 20, 30 minutes of his time to uh, join us in that uh, in that venture. So if you have any questions or anything like that, please send us an email at outlandercast at gmail.com. Don't forget to spread the Outlander cast love with your friends on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. And if you have a chance, we would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. It makes us so happy. It really does. <laughs> and also, call us on the hotline. We'd love to hear your voices. I think it's great. Call 503-454-6730. Until next time, everybody, I'm Mary. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast.